Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here. I have Chris Kaufman here. This is your 2019 NFL Draft Preview. But first, let me tell you about our latest sponsor, ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move your car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need in the world. Are you a business owner and need to ship freight or machinery? Call them now. Moving what away- kind of a submarine? Could they move a submarine? I doubt they can move a submarine because that goes under the ocean. So it can move itself. <laughs> can okay. they not put it on a boat and take it? Like, uh, There's no sense in moving a plane either because a plane can I- just fly anywhere it wants to go. What if I had a massive space hopper? That's a good question. There you go. Because you don't want to go out into the atmosphere and then what? Nobody out. does. Right. Sorry, I interrupted, but it was an important question. <laughs> it what is, is, it is a, a space hopper? <laughs> a space a hopper? Do you not know what a space hopper is? No, is this, is this an English thing? This no, is it can't be. This is a worldwide thing, surely. <laughs> okay, a space hopper is a big, is a round, like, inflated thing with ears that you hold onto the ears and you bounce up and down on a thing and you bounce around. It's a space hopper. It's, the, the, it's got a face on it. I'm going to put it I, in a WhatsApp group now. And, I mean, I'm stunned at this. I'm, I'm even more confused after you described it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stick a photo of it in our trusty WhatsApp group and you're then going to tell the listener that you actually realize what a space hopper is. It's probably got a different word. It's probably called a, a wiener schnitzel <laughs> bouncer in America. Well, if you need to move a, sh- uh, a, what is it called again? A space hopper? A space hopper. Okay, I'm pretty sure that if you call shipyourcarnow.com, here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. One more time, 1-800-264-4644. Ask them if they can move a space hopper. And I'm, I'm pretty sure right they'll now. give you an answer. Okay, you can visit them also at shipyourcarnow.com slash five reasons don't forget to mention five reasons when you give them a call there's no job too big or too small give them a call and see what ship your car now can do for you all right guys the draft is finally here and actually it's not even here because it's four days away but it is draft week so it's two days away yeah well for you one day away yeah. i don't know who knows <laughs> anyways we're starting to hear some speculation out there josh rosen for our third round pick. It has to be complete nonsense, isn't it, Simon? What you just sent us, Simon, looks like uh, <laughs> borderline sexual in some okay. way. I have found a space hopper race on YouTube, and I'm sending it through right now. That's the orchestral music you can hear in the background. <laughs> we have to tweet that for the listeners. Oh, my God. People are dress- oh, this is sensational. People are dressed up, everything. Right, I'm sending it through. We got to put a logo on that and sell it. <laughs> Shipmyspacehopper.com. This is our next this is our next viewing party event. <laughs> Absolutely. A space hopper race. 
Couldn't be any worse than the hard. other 50 viewing parties that we've had. I bet. Who do you think would win in a uh, 40 yard dash? Somebody on a space hopper or, um, or JHI Polite? Definitely nobody on a space hopper. I don't think that you can get that bad boy up to a lot of speed. Uh, as to your question, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, Josh Rosen, for whatever you think of him, didn't go from uh, the 11th best player or the 10th best player in the draft last year to a third round pick. Uh, you know, he didn't play very well. Um, he was probably the first to admit it. Um, we've just been talking off air before we started. You know, Peter King was talking about it today. There's clearly a lot of talk going on today. People are trying to sell Josh Rosen potentially to the Dolphins. Peter King said that Miami is the one team in the league that has been doing most research. Um, and obviously Chris Greer and his team will have done a lot of research on Rosen last year, but it's a new offensive staff and it may be that Chad O'Shea and his team think differently and we'll, we'll find out in 72 hours time, I suppose. Um, you know, and, and King made a fairly compelling case in that the, the upside is that you find your franchise quarterback for what could be a third round pick. The downside is that you lose a third round pick and it's essentially a one year rental before you pick up a quarterback next year. Um, I suppose Rosen would come in to start. He's not going to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, certainly, and therefore the, the opportunity arises that he wins more games than you'd need if you were looking out for Tua Tungavala, for example. Um, but, I, the, the, I mean, if they're taking Kyler Murray, and it, that's a whole different conversation probably in a minute because, you know, those smoke screens are swirling now and nobody really quite knows and the intrigue is building i'm sure it's building in part because the networks who are paying so much money really want it to be this way and rosen hasn't been moved because that would remove some of the excitement from from thursday night um so it keeps it all melting over i i suspect he will be moved i can't see them having even though he's only costing six million over the next the duration of his contract, I still don't believe that he will be there as the number two to Kyler Murray. I think he will be ultimately moved. I suspect probably it'll be Washington rather than Miami. But it's interesting, certainly, that the, the probably the premier reporter in the nation is reporting that the Dolphins have done more due diligence than any team in the NFL. That, that to me, is interesting. Do you think he could be like, you know, do you think he could stand to be the number two to Kyler Murray? Or really? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Do you think he like adds to the quarterback room if he's the backup? No, I mean I don't know the guy. I don't know the yeah. guy, but you'd have That's to feel for him. You do. You'd have to feel for him. The, the fact that you know he came in what three years ago, you were talking about him as the probable number one quarterback, right? You know, I mean that's fair to say. Uh, he yeah, ended up as the yeah, absolutely. He ended up as the tenth, eleventh pick in the draft. Yep. He didn't have a great year, but on a bad, you know, let's not beat about the bush. The pro- some of the problems were his fault. Some of the problems were the fact that it was a pretty terrible team. Yep. Um, you know, so it, does it feel like he's had a fair shot? I don't think it probably does. No. Um, is he a franchise saviour? I think that's definitely out for debate. Um, mm. But I think it's definitely too soon. It would be unfair to say, oh, he's a bust, he's done. I don't think, it, I don't think it's fair on anybody to feel like they had one season and be one and done on a team that bad. I, you know, it feels like at times, and I didn't watch all of Arizona's games by any means, but I saw good throws, really good throws. Um, mm. I saw some really bad ones too. I saw, you know, definite room for improvement. But I, I didn't look as though, it didn't strike me as though you were looking at a guy who was totally lost in the headlights. It looked mm. like there was more to come potentially. With uh, with better players, a better system, uh, you know, better coaching. 
yeah, he's had, as Peter King said today, he's had six offensive coordinators in the last six seasons. I mean, that is an awful lot of change. I mean, that's Ryan Tannehill-esque in terms of his early years in the Dolphins. I kind of think the flip side of that is, though, that if he were if he were a better player at any point in that timeline, some of those offensive coordinators might have stuck around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it's fascinating, this. I think. Let me ask this. If Josh Rosen had not come out last year, I know that's it's kind of impossible because he had to, but yeah. let's say he enters this year's draft. Where does he go in this? And, and remember, you got to block out what you saw from him last year. In the so you're basing this on his basing this on his last year at UCLA rather than yes his the last fantasy year, year he might have had okay probably second there you go like so in terms of second worse? quarterback rather than second overall, second probably. quarterback yeah. yeah second quarterback I would say yeah I, I tend to agree is that worth a third round pick shouldn't the Dolphins be exploring that I, that's it's tough I I always think it's hard to to go back in time and like where would he where would a guy like that rate? I don't know if he would go second in this group or not. Um, can I ask Chris? Can I ask you a genuine question? Because I, I get the, the impression that you don't. Uh, it's funny. I get the impression that you don't like Rosen, and I'm not a massive Rosen fan. And I also get the impression that there's a subcult, subculture is the wrong word, but a sub thing with all of us in that all of us secretly would like Tua or Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> you know, I mean, we would, wouldn't we? I mean, let's let's be yeah. honest. And That's I right. think it, I think if Tua or Trevor Lawrence weren't in the next two drafts, we would mm-hmm. be higher on Dwayne Haskins potentially. We'd probably be probably. higher on Drew Locke potentially. Agree. Absolutely. And I wonder whether or not the 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 um what's the word the um outlier for one of the term is the fact that in the distance. There are mm. these two guys that we have legitimate, fairly legitimate shots at because the team is on a cycle of which it is, feels like it's going down before it goes back mm. up again. So I, I wonder whether or not a genuine question, I suppose, that people might be listening to this podcast, and I'll ask it of both of you, whether or not you feel like we would feel more comfortable in a trade of a third-round pick for Josh Rosen if the future didn't potentially have Tua or Trevor in it. And I say that because as a guy who we've just said would probably be the second quarterback off the board this year, and yet we're arguing the toss over a third-round pick. Yeah, is, is, is like Tua casting uh, some sort of shadow yeah. over this. And, yeah, and I, think, I, yeah, I that's, absolutely that's, agree. I absolutely agree. And it's because Lawrence and Tua, both of them represent the Andrew Luck pick, the sure yeah. thing, the thing that you see months out in advance. The John Elwes. Here's John Elway. Yeah, not even Dan Marino, because if, if you go all the way back, I was watching a bunch of these documentaries over the weekend on NFL Network. They were going draft for draft. Those things were brilliant, by the way. They started in the 1969 mm. draft and moved all mm. the way down to present day. It was absolutely brilliant. And when you got to 1984, Dan Marino wasn't a sure thing. Dan Marino, no, not at all. You know, actually, you'd have to rewind good. a year because he had a great, great, great season in the 1981 season. Yes. And then he had a really shitty year in 1982. Yes. Dan Marino and, was and considered so, like, by many a top three quarterback in that draft. That mm-hmm. meant that he was supposed to go somewhere around the 20s. Now, everybody went crazy taking quarterbacks that year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know who the third quarterback Everybody thought that John Elway was the best. Most mm-hmm. thought that Dan Marino was the second best. Most everybody else thought that Todd Blackledge was the third best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But, of course, everybody knows what happened. Tony Eason got taken. Ken O'Brien got taken. And then Dan Marino ended up in our laps. Mm-hmm. But this does not feel that way. Okay. This is not Dan Marino. This is Andrew Luck. This is 
Peyton Manning. And I'll, I'll remind you of that too. Pey- Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf were considered 1A and 1B. Okay? This is different. Tua Tagovailoa and Trevor Lawrence are considered sure things. So yeah. you have a fan base that is staring at 1-15, 2-14, dead in the eye. And they're saying, you know what? Let's not do anything to mess this up. Yeah. We got a sure thing in a year's time. I can wait a year. That's what everybody personally. Saying. Personally, I, I just don't buy that we have a great shot at that. And that's not to say that we don't have the best shot. I just think that it's what anybody, the out, anybody out there has like sort of a, a one in five best at best shot of getting that number one pick. I mean, it's not like you know, even the best of you might have. It's like the, the odds to win the Super Bowl. It basically it's the flip end of of the odds to win the Super Bowl. Um, nobody's a sure thing to win the Super Bowl. You know, it's 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 a it's a hard thing to to do. Just like um, it's a hard thing to get the number one over Paul. So I don't know that Tua casts that much of a shadow for me personally with respect to Josh Rosen and with respect to Dwayne Haskins and with respect to Drew Locke too. Um, that's, that's the other one that deserves to be talked about in this. I'm, I'm usually reluctant with a case like, uh, like, like Josh Rosen because I think it's kind of the epitome in my business of catching the falling knife as far as being a value trap a guy a guy on the way down and I think that they all while each while I would generally be skeptical about the the exercise each of them do deserve to be evaluated on their own and and the point that I keep making about Josh Rosen is it's not just 2018 I mean this guy has been kind of disappointing since he was supposed to be an all-world player in high coming out of high school right I mean he came into UCLA he had an all right year for a freshman, right? It was, it was a pretty good year, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a great quarterback year. And then the next year he was injured. And when he did play, he was pretty terrible. And then the next year when he, when he put it all together, so to speak, you know, it still wasn't that great. Um, they, they still like, he was six and five as a player. They missed a bowl game. Um, his personal like passer ratings and stuff like that were just, not very inspiring. They were, there was something like, you know, they ranked 26th out of 99 quarterbacks in, in the FBS. It wasn't that great. And what I sensed was, okay, but you're looking at the traits and you're, you're, and you're, it's excuse after excuse as for why he couldn't put it all together and do things that other great quarterbacks have done coming out. And he didn't, he never really did that in college. He never really did that in UCLA. And now you get to the NFL and he's got this year in the NFL in 2018 and he was basically the worst performing quarterback on the worst performing offense and the worst performing team in the league and and how you know and and again it's like you know I understand there's a bad team there and and offensive coordinator yada 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 but but again it's more excuse after excuse after excuse and at, at what point are we like are we just looking at another Christian Hackenberg here I mean this that's what that's what it's kind of feeling like with him it's not just that he was taken in the first round last year and then sucked and was on a sucky team. It's that even before that he was already on the way, like on the disappointment path. And so I hate to take, I hate to take guys that are on the disappointment path like that with a valuable pick. I mean, and a third round pick can be a valuable, it could be a throwaway sometimes. Of course you can throw, you can throw it away on a bust, but it can also be a valuable pick sometimes. 
third round doesn't feel right to me. I think, you know, I, I just wouldn't do it. That's my personal opinion. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him. Okay, it's a no from Chris. Simon, what do you say? What say you to a third round pick for? Um, I, I would say no, given that there's Tour and Trevor. I would say yes if they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, for me, I feel like, uh, and, and this is the thing that people missed the other day. So it was me that tweeted about the Chris Greer being fired, <laughs> which obviously was, was fairly obvious. Um, it's also yeah. fairly obvious that I don't actually believe that Chris Greer should be fired. I mean, that seemed to go over that post people's was heads. One of the oh, man, that went over. I, mean, I did a, I did a, I did a news post about it. I dissected oh, the tweet. Great. I don't know if you read the yeah. news post I did on Five Reasons yeah. Sports. I, I, I did. I, I, okay, I, I dissected people... the tweet. I actually backed you up. And we, I mean, and by the way, followers, uh, listeners, we gained about eighty-five followers. Yeah. See, that. there you go. I mean, I, I think probably the sarcasm element it doesn't quite work. I mean, no, it would it work really if work. I was speaking. Doesn't really translate when it's written, and you know, for that I apologise. Ultimately, I do not believe that he should be fired if we don't end up with two of Valor. My point, though, was that you are at a crossroads. You, you, we are on a barometer that swings back between five and eleven, and nine and seven, five, eleven, nine and seven. Pretty much over the past ten, twelve, fourteen years. There is a possibility, as we know, that, that there are these two kids out there and you do everything you can to get one of these. And if you don't end up with one of these, it feels like you've missed the boat to get off the pendulum that we've been on. That was my point, which I think went over about 89.7% of people's heads. <laughs> um, so congratulations to the 10.1% of people who actually did understand what it meant. Um, and yeah, anyway. Um Steve Weish of the NFL Network has just tweeted uh, in response to Omar Kelly talking about quarterbacks for 2020 that Miami like. Uh, and Omar has tweeted, really, there's just one with a photo of Tua, to which Steve Weish has just reiterated with a uh, yes, kind of thumbs up, yes. It's pretty clear that that's the guy that they're in for. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shall see. There's a long way to go before that happens. It is. But this time, yeah. this time next I year, think, I think I Steve could, this could be a very exciting uh, podcast. Yeah. I think Steve Ross would be Herbert number one. About him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Herbert. Yeah. I mean, not yeah, no, that, that's a great I don't, don't want to get down on Herbert, but I mean, like, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, be, a, me, that's, that's a bad to concept. To be fair to Justin Herbert, he's still got a lot of football to play as he well. He does. He you does. Know. That's true. Yeah, that's Baker fair. Mayfield, Kyler Murray, two quarterbacks who we both love, who all three of us love. You know, it's, came from <laughs> came from not the wilderness, but came from. No, well, Kyler, I suppose Kyler did come from the wilderness. Yeah, it's enough absolutely. time. It's enough time for somebody to come from nowhere to be that number one. Absolutely. So, so absolutely, absolutely, Justin Herbert could just knock it out of the park and just be amazing. So, all right, guys. Absolutely. So we got to move so. on. We got to move on to the 2019 NFL draft because this is turning into the Josh Rosen special. Yeah. And we're I mean, here. this time next week. It could be the Josh Rosen. It special. Could, <laughs> it could be. <laughs> you can be careful. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm Oh, by the way, I'm a no also. On that third round pick, I'm a no. Okay. All right. Okay. We're all now, no's. Back to me. Are, you, are you a no because of Tua and Trevor? Or are you absolutely. No and, and absolutely because I think that there's four quarterbacks next year that I'd rather yeah. have. And so I can wait a year. I know some people can't, especially not in this, this uh, fan base. But I can wait a year. I can wait a year to get my rookie quarterback, my me young too. quarterback. I just have a hard time imagining the success path of that. Like, like he performed – like how well would he perform – and does that make you say, okay, I guess we're not taking quarterback now? Like, yeah, you know, what would be that line where you'd be like, I guess we're not taking, I guess we found our guy. And you I'll know. tell you what else as well. 
this team doesn't have much better players than the team that he was really bad on last year. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, the offensive line in Arizona mm. was terrible last year. I mean, Laramie Tunsil is the outlier because he's an elite player, but everything else is pretty is pretty shoddy. I joke, you know, but he could be like a lucky rabbit's foot for getting the number one overall pick. He's already yeah. proven. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> yeah, he's yeah. done it already. Okay, so we move on to the draft, and the first pick rolls around, and it's the Arizona Cardinals. And we've been talking about it on this podcast. We've all agreed before. Mm-hmm. Do we still agree that it's Kyler Murray? I say yes. What do you say? What say you, Simon? I still say yes, if I'm an easy one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I still say yes. With the one caveat, as I just said beforehand, is that the Cardinals are paying an awful lot of heed to a man who just got fired by Texas Tech, i.e. Cliff Kingsbury, who is essentially <laughs> is saying to Steve... Insane. Yeah, who is essentially saying to Steve Kime, what you did last year in the draft was pretty pathetic, and I want to get rid of it. I want to erase it from the team's mm-hmm. history. That, to me, is fascinating, because, you know... Do, do, do any of us really truly believe that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be a 10-year head coach in the NFL? I mean, I think we probably all thought that he would be a fascinating offensive coordinator. I don't think any of us think necessarily he, you know, if we, if Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is two and done in terms of two seasons and done, I don't think any of us would be surprised. And that's yeah. the one thing that, and also the fact that time is GMing for his job. He is one season away from, from getting busted out of Arizona. So you're either putting you, – you, you're going balls out on Murray yeah. or I mean, that's what it's the greatest smokescreen of all time. And yeah. Josh Rosen is part of the smokescreen. And absolute kudos to them if it is. You know, Antonio, yeah, Bryant, Antonio Bryant, the former player now dealing in player acquisition in terms of agents and things, has just tweeted that it's his belief that Nick Bozer is on top of the board and that they will stick with Murray. And that's been swirling for 24 hours. And, you know, I saw Sam Farmer in the LA Times this morning – talking his mock draft about the fact that it was his belief that Arizona would not take Murray. It's fascinating. It's building up to be, I mean, I think he will. I think he'll go one, but I mean, could you imagine if Goodell steps to the podium and announces Nick Bozer as the first pick because the whole fucking place is going to go. <laughs> and, but I mean, imagine. I'll be being, going bonkers because I'll be yeah. like, you know, can Miami get up? Can I? <laughs> but imagine being in the war room of the New York Giants, the Oakland Raiders, the Cincinnati Bengals, and obviously the Dolphins at, at that point. You know, because Kyle Shanahan's phone is going to be ringing off the hook at that point. Yeah. Well, well yeah. here's the thing. The, uh, the Oakland Raiders have a haul. They have three first-round picks that they could just dump in somebody's lap for that pick. And all you got to do is move up one spot, you know? Far, Farmer also put – in fact, Farmer also tweeted that he's expecting a bit of a wild card from the Raiders at four. Mm. Well, I mean, last year they did, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was I mean, a Imagine if they took Dwayne Haskins at four, for example. They got that UCLA tackle, right? Um, they did, yeah. Um, yeah that, I mean, nobody, nobody really had that. No. Colton, was it Colton, Colton Miller? Miller, yeah. Yeah. Nobody really had that. Not at all. And, and I've heard John Gruden described so many people, or so many times by so many people that have worked with him as being so hard to work with mm. and, and just always liking everybody else's players and, and wanting basically every shiny new toy that passes by. You know, so whatever whatever shiny new toy passes by latest, the latest is the one that he's. You know, oh, I'll take that. You know, yeah. um, so it, it, it's hard. I've heard it's hard to be in the draft room with him. Although nobody apparently is going to be. Nobody's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> they I want to that. We're get to that. We're going to get to that in a second. Okay, now we're going to just we, we could run right through these next two pretty easily. 
the 49ers and Bosa, that's, that's like a lock, right? Or do you see something else happening there? Simon? Should be. They, they've got no pass rush. I mean, uh, the, the, I suppose the flip side is that they spent an awful lot of capital with Arik Armstead, with Solomon Thomas, and with um, the guy who really can play, um, whose mm-hmm. name completely escapes me. Um, but that's an awful lot of capital, uh, and they still haven't solved the pass rush. Um, DeForest Buckner. Well, they made a um, because, trade for D Ford as well. They made a trade for D Ford, they, absolutely. Yeah. But they um, need they need they need somebody opposite. D. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've absolutely. got some inside guys. But it feels it feels like Bosa is the guy. I mean, he's yeah. probably the best player in the draft, and it feels like. And not least because he's the best player in the draft, probably. Yeah, yes. I mean, uh, I mean, I wonder how this 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 kind of Larry Tunsil bong thing in terms yeah. of his own Twitter thing that seems to be coming out this evening. Some of this not pretty. I, mean, I wonder what sort of effect it will have. You know, I, I, would, I mean. Sorry, I was just going to say, apropos of nothing, uh, San Francisco, I, I, if they do take Boza, you know, they, they do have an awful lot of defensive line assets there, right? I mean, maybe it wouldn't hurt to call them about something. Sheldon Day or something like that, you know. Yeah. Hey, what are you guys doing with this guy? I mean, what are you doing with Julian Taylor? You know what? No. <laughs> what are you doing with Eric Armstead? Yeah, what are you yeah. doing with Eric Armstead? Or even yeah. like a guy like Ryan Del- or I don't know if he's still on the roster, but I should probably look that up, but. So it's it's pretty it's pretty elementary so far, but I'm gonna go to you now, Chris, on this one. The New York Jets, I can't place a player there. Well, you know, I, I think let's say that it goes Murray Bosa. Mm-hmm. Is Quinn and Williams just a lock there, or do you think a Josh Allen gets in there? Maybe Ed Oliver. Like, what is happening with the Jets? Or is that the first time that you get to see somebody actually move up for their guy, and the Jets get a haul? I well, for I know I know the Jets would love that, and I don't think, but I don't think it'll happen just because they want it to happen. I go back to the fact that they they failed so miserably to uh, to pull what's his name, the linebacker out of Minnesota, Barr. Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr. And Josh, Josh Allen is essentially an Anthony Barr clone, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to me, he is. Um, I think I think he he plays a lot like Anthony Barr. I think that he can pass rush. And but also play like legit right left linebacker um, from a yeah, stack. Yeah, to the people to the people that, that you know are not digging deep into these prospects. I've seen a lot of people try to compare Josh Allen to Von Miller. He's not Von Miller. That's no, not he's Von, not Miller. Von Miller. No, no, no. I don't it, think so. He's, he's much more Anthony Barr, just like Chris said. Type of player. Yes, and, and I think I think he does compare a lot with an Anthony Barr. And they were going to use Anthony Barr clearly on that defense, and uh, and now they can't. Um, he's gone. He, he was going to sign with them. And then he got, what, what was it? He got queasy or something like that. He yeah, felt dude. sick. He felt like he was going to throw up and then he decided to go back with Minnesota. Um, yeah. yeah. So that might inform them. I, I keep, I keep thinking of that every time I think of that, that number three pick certainly it would make sense if they went with Quinn Williams or even Ed Oliver, um, at that, at that spot instead of Josh Allen. But for now, I just have had it as Josh Allen and, that's kind of how I imagine it. You got a name, Simon? I'm, I mean, Chris makes a great point about Alan. It wouldn't surprise me if it was Oliver. Mm. It just wouldn't. Greg Williams worked with Aaron Donald. I mean, nobody's Aaron Donald clone, but if there is yeah, one, right. it's, it's Ed Oliver. Sure. Um, you know, and he has been seriously good yeah, for I a got, long time. I think mm. I got you know, Williams there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, any of those three makes sense. I mean, look, Williams was the best player in college football last season. I, I think, you know, him and him and Kyler Murray pretty much and, and Tua were the top three guys, I think. 
you know, Alan, we all love Alan, sensational player, forwards, backwards, against the run, set the edge, you know, 17 sacks, 28 tackles for a loss or whatever. I mean, it was just a brilliant season in the best yep. conference. Um, and Oliver, we've just talked about, is just a, just a stud. He's just unblockable at times. So I don't think you can go wrong, frankly, if you're, if you're the Jets. I think it would be one of those guys. I hope they find a way, though. Yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> now, we get to number four, and let me give – uh, some of our listeners a little history lesson when Saddam Hussein came into power <laughs> he walked into what was essentially I don't know it was it was kind of a it was kind of like a, a quasi-communist government so it was like a politburo and he started pointing out you 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 and the military police kept coming in and taking these guys out where they were summarily executed well it seems that John Gruden and Mike Mayock have tried to do the same thing, but in a much smaller scale. Besides of all this insanity that's gone on the last few days with the Oakland Raiders sending out, sending all of their scouts home, and then having a quote out there saying, we don't know who we can trust. What do you make of all this insanity? And what do you think they're planning on doing with this pick, Simon? I mean, I'm, in a way, I get it. Because you're essentially, essentially inheriting... Um, somebody else's scouts, um, right. you know, and the, so they're, they're Reggie McKenzie's, that's Reggie McKenzie's team, you know, Mike yeah. Mayock and, and John Gruden mm. are working with a, a former general manager's team and there is only so much loyalty because they're not your guys. And I do get that. I do understand and that. Mayock um, has been very honest with them about this too. Totally. Like, he's been like, you know, listen, we're, <laughs> you guys' jobs are not safe. Everybody should be scouting like their job is on the line right now because it is. Yeah, and, and I love the fact that his his daughter tweeted the other night that they went out for dinner. And when May, when Mayock went to the toilet, went to the bathroom, he took his draft notebook with him in case anybody looks at it. His daughter looks at it. Somebody stole it. You know that. You can understand the levels of power. They've got three. Listen, they've got three first round picks and they've got two first yeah. round picks next year. The draft essentially goes through the Raiders. Mm. Um, so I can get the levels of paranoia. Um, and, the, and the fact that it was reported by Ian Rappaport because a scout on the Oakland team had told Ian Rappaport that the scouts had been kicked out kind of tells you exactly where the mindset is. So I do understand yeah. it. You know, this is big business. These are this is people live and die by the decisions that Mike, Mike Mayock's job is on the line by the decisions he makes over the next two years because very rare that general managers have five first-round picks in two years. So, you know, if, if they blow these picks over the next 12 months, Mike Mayock will be, out, will be back sitting next to Rich Eisen in two years' time. That's a You know what else, what else strikes me about it is that, you know, one of the big things that John Gruden and Mike Mayock are fighting here is the reputation that John Gruden has for basically walking all over everybody that's in personnel, mm. you know, like not listening to anybody and just calling the shots himself and just going after the shiny new toy and, you know, all this stuff. There are people that have worked with John Gruden that are actively putting that out there. And you kind of wonder if everybody's being dismissed in part because they don't want witnesses to the whole interaction of how it actually ends up working between those two in the draft room and not, not necessarily because I expect John Gruden to walk all over him, but because Mayock has been so on point about this the whole time about how it's all about, you know, the, the front office and the coaching staff understanding one one another and working with one another. And this is a huge, important image to them. It's central 
to the success of the franchise, you know, in Mayock's opinion and, and what they want to put out. And so they don't want people that were there to witness it coming away being like, oh, you should see what John Gruden said, you know, and then stuff like that during, during the, the draft meetings or the end, you know, the end of the process. I think that's what they're afraid of. I don't think, I, I think they want to make, to put, make sure that they can put out the image that they're working perfectly together and are perfectly in sync. And if they have other people in there, like that go around and loose lips and, and start saying shit, then that might ruin that. Okay. Having said all that, this has to be an edge rusher, doesn't it? I mean, they love Quinn. I, I know my loves Quinn and Williams. Uh, he was at the Oakland pro day. He was still mm-hmm. photos of him hanging out with Williams. I've heard, uh, I've read, Bria and all sorts of people talk about how much Mayo loves Quinn and Williams. So I think if he's there, I feel like they'll, they'll take him. I mean, you pair Quinn and Williams with Maurice Hurst. I mean, Christ, that's a, that is one of the best, you know, if Williams yeah. is anything like he was in college, that's one of the best interior tandems in, in the NFL. Yeah. You know, and, and on a terrible defense, Maurice Hurst really, really yeah. stood out. Yeah. Last he was a really good player. I mean, yes. he was a first round pick player. I mean, that's that's what it was. They've got to like Ed Oliver as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. And you never know with them. I mean, you really just never do. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they took Dwayne Haskins. Just going to throw that out of there. Right. So, time to take a break. Uh, in a sec, is what you've all been waiting for, essentially. Building you up, building you up, building you up. And in a few months' time, the three of us are going to knock you down, um, hopefully, uh, with a space hopper. Anyway, first, this. You're listening to the Five Reason Sports Network. We've created a menu of intelligent and entertaining content on demand for commutes, workouts, and more. And by now, you're already familiar with the 15 different podcasts in our network. Today, we are proud to announce the premiere of our brand new website, 5 On it, you'll find columns from more than a dozen of our hosts, many who are professional writers in the market. Watch original videos from shows like Miami Heat Beat and Balls Cast. Browse our full merchandise shop. And unlike other outlets in the area, there's no paywall. Everything is absolutely free. All of this from a network that's credentialed from all five major sports teams in South Florida. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's free? We're by Miami for Miami. We're sports on your schedule. We're Miami Sports On Demand. We're the 5 Reason Sports Network. Go to 5ReasonSports.com today. Hey, it's Seth Levitt here from the Fish Tank with my main man. O.J. McDuffie, the juice. And juice, we've got a special guest over the next two weeks in the tank. What's up, everybody? It's Pat Sertan, and I'm officially diving into the fish tank. If he was better than Peyton, yeah. he definitely wasn't better than me. Oh, there so we go. That's so that's what I wanted to get, get yeah. That's where we're going with it. Did you mm-hmm. and Peyton ever play against each other in high school? Absolutely. Beat them 35-7. 35 wow. to Get out seven. of here. Oh, yeah. I had three rushing and two passing on them, accounting for all five touchdowns. <laughs> I had hands on all of them. Yeah. Hey, Pat came so, in here saying he doesn't remember stuff, but he remembered remember all that. that. Make sure you dive into the tank to hear our entire interview with Patrick Sertan here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can catch up on what you've missed and hear new episodes every two weeks until July by searching The Fish Tank on Apple Music, Google Play, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Hi, this is Craig Mish from Swings and Mishes here on the Five Reasons Podcast Network. 
Just in case you missed any of our podcasts in the past, here's what you missed. We have been um, extremely aggressive in, in trying to acquire additional uh, international dollars, not just for, you know, uh, potential free agents with two first names. It's nice that that ownership is, is fully supportive and allowing us to, to, to do everything in our power um, to be um, the best team in, in, in this region, in the gateway to America, and, and, and for Miami to become a destination spot for, for all Latin players, uh, because, you know, this is such an international city. Welcome back to the Massive Testicle Show, as Chris has just said I call it in the break. Uh, it's not really, it's three hours per carry with me, Simon, Big Balls, Clancy, Chris, Medium Balls, Cordero, Cordero? what? Cordero? <laughs> what? That was a fuck. <laughs> that was a freaking slip. <laughs> it was the medium-sized Our balls that got me. secret's been discovered. <laughs> and Alfredo Small Balls, Artiaga. I'm sure he's got small balls. I'm sure they're absolutely massive. It was just, a, you know, it was a funny thing. Apparently somebody said it was not funny. So, yeah, exactly. Anyway, here we are. It is time. I did that through the gap in my teeth, by the way, um, fat, for the fat guy in Tuskegee. Take it away, Alf. When we're done with all that insanity that is the Oakland Raiders, I guess, you know, we kind of agree that they're going to go defense there. But then you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New York Giants, which is going to be really interesting. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I find eminently interesting. Simon, where is the surprise? Because I got mine in those three. I think it'll be the Giants, potentially. I've been saying for a while that I think they'll take Daniel Jones. Uh, it feels like there's momentum for the Giants towards Daniel Jones. Now, maybe that's with the 17th pick. Part of me thinks that something will happen that he doesn't get to 17 and they just take him there anyway. It would be hard if you were a Giants front office member if Ed Oliver, Quinn and Williams or Josh Allen are still on the board and you, you, you take them for a second-round quarterback, frankly. You know, that's not value. But then, you know, again, Peter King today talking about how people within the Giants organization just believe that mechanically, mentally, Daniel Jones is essentially Eli Manning just 20 years younger, 15 years younger. You know, and that's what they've won two Super Bowls with. So I would not be surprised if they took Jones there. But for me, that's a bit steep. That's where the shock, I think, comes to me out of those three. That would be a shock. Because, <laughs> my God, you could just wait until 17 and take them there, I think. Because the Redskins, I think the Washington Redskins at 15, they're a danger for anybody wanting a quarterback because they don't have one right now. And Alex Smith's career is pretty much over. So I would say the Redskins would probably take him at 15 if the Giants don't take him at six. So, yeah, that would be a huge surprise. But I know it'll make Chris sick. <laughs> Chris, where do you see the, the surprise in those three teams? The surprise is how appalling this space hopper video is that Simon sent us. <laughs> I love a space hopper. <laughs> I mean, I, okay. I have space Sorry, uh, we're talking about the draft, I swear. Um, yeah, I, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is not going to be very surprising to, to me. I think that's either going to be Devin Bush or Devin White, right? Um, they, yeah, it's, totally. It could, the surprise could be if it's like Devin Bush instead of Devin White, but it wouldn't be surprising you to Simon because you like Bush more. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> sorry there's a lot of there's somebody a lot of, tweet, by the way somebody tweeted the other day there was no entertainment in in this podcast I mean what the fuck are they listening to 
We've had space. Well, they're not, just watching, la- they're not watching the space opera race that I am. We've had space so. hoppers, submarines. I've just laughed at a fanny joke. I mean, this is... <laughs> For whoever's listening to this and doesn't know what a space hopper is, if you've ever seen... That's okay, I don't KFC, uh The KFC episode of South Park, where everybody got testicular cancer, <laughs> that, that's kind of what, what that is. Okay. <laughs> just, you know, just take my word for it. Just go look for it. <laughs> Okay. Some, somebody, one, one of my two podcast mates has seen that episode before. I, I guess it's Chris that saw it. <laughs> That's a great episode. And now I have Simon chasing um, all through the YouTube looking for the yeah, case. He's, he's got to find it. He's got to find it by the end of the episode. Um, six, the Giants. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I think what they're concentrating on, they're, they're a very stubborn franchise. I think, yes, they're all about Daniel uh, Jones, which is – weird um but uh but i think that they're not going to do it at six they're going to insist on getting a good you know um a defensive player or you know maybe an offensive lineman i don't know um and then kind of trade back up and try and get daniel jones i've heard that as teams unnamed teams are building their boards they're kind of thinking that the Giants will trade up to around number nine and get their guy, get Daniel Jones, and that. But at number six, they're going to stick to their guns and pick a, uh, you know, more or less an elite player. So that's kind of how I see it too. I, I think that the that's what they'll do. The Jaguars at seven. I'm <laughs> boy, flip a coin. I really don't know what the Jags are going to do. I do. Uh, at seven well i'm i'm glad you do because i don't so <laughs> so you can fill me in but um but well, i think five six you know go well, on that in, one in my, in my mock draft that will be released on five reasonsports.com i i didn't i don't buy this daniel jones thing because well either either i'm i'm blind or the giants just really know something that i don't and i really don't think they do <laughs> no they don't they're <laughs> just bad but don't forget, we've heard a lot of times that the, the NFL likes Daniel Jones significantly more than, let's say, social media likes Daniel Jones. The you NFL know. being Gettleman. Well, no, I don't think so, though. I think we've heard that, that you know, I, I think there are teams out there that believe, you know, you've heard Gil Brandt talking about Daniel Jones, talking him up. There are, ple- there are clearly, whether we like it or not, teams out there that believe that Jones is a better quarterback than we're giving him credit for. Todd Haley likes him the best. Todd Haley does like him the best, indeed. What I think is going on here is that the Giants are saying, look at this over here, while with the other hand, they just go and take Dwayne Haskins just because it makes sense. Like, really? Mm. Dwayne Haskins, uh, I believe he was born, what is it, two blocks away from the stadium? Mm -hmm. He's perfect for them. them. Uh, Why not? I think they'll take Josh Allen if he's there. And then trade back up for Daniel Jones. Well, that would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. But I think that the surprise is going to be at number seven, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They just signed Nick Foles for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Quickly, try to name three skill players on that offense. Leonard Fournette, the backup quarterback, and um, the little wide receiver who had a couple of one-handed catches in the game last year. (laughs) Well, there you go. And Leonard Fournette seems to be not for long for the Jacksonville. TJ Hawkinson makes a lot of sense there. That, and that's who I have in my mock draft. I have TJ Hawkinson going at number seven to the Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. because he makes a lot of sense. Nick Foles, a lot of success throwing the tight ends in Philadelphia. Why not get him one 
a guy who Bucky Brooks put in the Hall of Fame, guys. Okay, Bucky Brooks named five guys that he could see wearing the gold jacket, and T.J. Hawkinson was one of them. So he's ridiculously good. They still have Jimmy Smith, <laughs> Keenan McCardell. Damn, those teams uh, were good, man. They they want just they want to see his. They want to see. Oh, of course. I mean, how could I? I don't know how we forgot this. And maybe it's just uh, maybe it's late. But their receivers are CJ Board, who I literally never heard of. But then DJ Chark, who they got in the second round last year from LSU. Uh, Keelan okay. Cole, who's the kid that I was the small, the guy with the two-handed catches. Chris Conley, the Georgia kid, and then Mark Easley, Mark Easley, and Dede Westbrook. Oh, Dede um, Westbrook. Yeah, that's the only one I really knew. Yeah, they need DJ Hawkinson there at seven. They've got Fournette, Benny Cunningham, Alfred Blue, and Thomas Rawls. Fournette just got in trouble. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, in doing my mock draft, I researched a lot of other mock drafts, and one guy who seems like universal in every single mock draft to Detroit at number eight is Rashan Gary. Make the case why it's not Rashan Gary. I have not. Simon? I don't know why it's been universal. That's, Everybody I mean, is I putting him there. I mean, I think it's because they, they see that um, Ezekiel Anza has left, and therefore you've got to put somebody in. I, I don't think it'll be Rashan Gary. Um, I just don't. I think it'll probably. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Andre Dillard here or Juwan Taylor. Um, yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Detroit trade down because I think that's kind of what they want to do. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a quarterback, frankly. I, I don't think Detroit are out of the realms of possibility of, uh, of a quarterback. Uh, they could go. They could go anywhere. I don't think it would be Gary necessarily. I think Dwayne Haskins could go there. Um, yeah. With. Yeah, the, I think if they give them, if they've given Sweat a queen bill of a clean a queen a clean bill of health, it could be Sweat there. <laughs> so, All right, so we move on. I, I think it's I think it's Rashan Gary. Uh, it, it fits Patricia's system. They need mm-hmm. one. They need a good defensive end. They have none right now because Ziggy Ans is still out there somewhere. I don't believe he's signed anywhere yet, but he's already sworn on not going back to Detroit. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I would say Rashan Gary makes some sense. They got Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers or Sean Gary, pretty good start on the defense. I don't know. I think I think if you got Trey Flowers, then you don't need to get Rashawn Gary. That's my personal belief. I think that they could they could. I, I kind of thought that they could look at T.J. Hokinson themselves uh, when when they get at number eight. And I, I hate to keep like you know pick after pick, put it because we know the Bills like him too, and we'll talk about that later. But um, I can't. I hate to keep you know pick after pick. T.J. Hokinson, T.J. Hokinson, T.J. Hokinson. But I I thought the Detroit Lions might be on to him personally and uh and you know we'll see how it goes with the the quarterbacks they could be like a sneaky player for one of those quarterbacks that's what i've that's what i thought um you know we'll see we'll see how it happens i but i i don't know that i buy Rashawn gary there personally now in my mock draft to the buffalo bills at number nine of Denver broncos number 10 i put both linebackers i put devin white going at number nine devin mm-hmm. bush at number 10 Simon, what do you make of that, and where do you disagree? Where do you have guys? I don't think. I, I think. I think White will go to Tampa at five, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think and Bush. Bush. At, yeah, Bush to the Broncos, right? I think Bush will go to the Broncos at ten. I mean, that's just the perfect mm-hmm. kind of Vic Fangio sideline to sideline, Roquan Smith mm-hmm. kind of guy. Um, plus, I think the. I mean, if you look at the Bills. I mean, you've got to help Josh Allen get better. Now, if, yes. I mean, if Hokinson's there, that's a, a sensible pick. They apparently, I was looking in the in the Buffalo Daily News. They apparently love Quinn and Williams, but can they get up high enough to get him? I, I doubt it. Um, 
but also look, you've got, you know, Tynishki at right tackle, you've got Spencer Long at, at right guard. Jonah Williams would make an awful lot of sense given that he played Jawan, two years as a starter at right tackle. He Jawan can play guard. Jawan Taylor, Jawan exactly. I mean, he's the best. He's the yeah. best tackle in the draft. Personally, I think that Jawan Taylor is the best tackle in the draft. It just so happens that he plays right tackle, and Andre Dillard plays left tackle. So people, they're they're going to draft Dillard higher, I think, because he. You can be sure about him playing left tackle, or at least relatively sure. Yeah, about I think he's the left tackle. But um, but I think Jawan Taylor is a better player. I think he's a better tackle, and you know that would that would seem like a home run there. I, yeah. personally and. Is there any thought, and I'll go to you first, Chris, is there any thought to maybe Noah Fant finding his way all the way up to number nine to the Buffalo Bills? Josh no, Allen I don't think some not that high. No. Personally, no, I don't think so. I think I think there's some scares. There's some scares about him uh, and and what I don't want to say from an attitude standpoint, but just, you know, um, assuming and, and digesting the entire system and being – coachable and stuff like that i mean i've i've heard oh, i saw one scout you know tell bob mcginn they think he's a coach killer um you know oh, wow. and, and that's a strong it's a strong word or strong words to be saying and you never know if that's just bs but um but i think there is some scare there and there has been some scare with him there and uh and that's why eyes have gone to tj hokinson instead i mean i think a number of scouts have said that they raved up the staff raved about hokinson and didn't have very many nice things to say about fan, which is a yeah, like Chris says, a bit of an eye opener. Well, now if you're a Miami Dolphins fan and you're waiting at number thirteen to see who your team's going to pick, and you're a fan of Jawan Taylor mm-hmm. or Christian Wilkins, these next two teams are the teams that you're watching because I think that this is where they're best slotted. What do you see the Bengals and the Packers doing, Simon? I mean, who knows with the Bengals, frankly. I mean, is, is Andy Dalton, this is a year out of a new contract, is Andy Dalton going to be Zach Taylor's guy? He doesn't strike me as a Zach Taylor quarterback. But then do any of the guys that are there strike me as being Zach Taylor quarterbacks? I don't know. Drew Locke, maybe. Um, could they take a defensive end? Is this, the, is this Sweat? Is this Brian Burns? I think the Bengals, I mean, the Bengals generally have got, you know, you look around the team, they've got some good players. You know, there's some significantly, you know, the defense is good. If you are going to go with Dalton, then it would feel like you want to try and help him out. But because, you know, you look back at their failures, especially with um, the kid from Oregon, the, the, when they drafted El Brohi and, and Jake Fisher, uh, first and second, and that fell flat on his face. You know, mm-hmm. that they need offensive line help, definitely. So you can see them going there. Could they take a Brian Burns? I don't know. With the Packers, I mean... The Drew Locke talk around Green Bay is fascinating. I mean, I don't get it. I don't buy it, but they clearly like him. I, again, Hawkinson, if he's there, it could be a landing spot for Fan. You, you really just want, you know, they spent an awful lot of money defensively in free agency. You know, how, how do they feel about Brian Belaga? If Brian Belaga's not the guy, is Juwan Taylor the guy? Is Jonah Williams the guy? Kick him inside at guard? Or do you just get Aaron Rodgers' help? They need a tight end. Would you trade up for Hawkinson? Would you take Fant? Do they prefer Irv Smith? Feels high for Irv Smith, and you probably get him at the pick that they've got at thirty-one. Um, a lot of possibilities for Green Bay. You know, I don't think Metcalf will end up being the first wide. I mean, it feels like there's a lot of people down on DK Metcalf. It, it's interesting for, for for Green Bay. I I 
I feel like it would be tight end if he was there, but if he's not there, I'm not sure what they do, frankly. I think they've got nothing at linebacker, and they've got a, you know they've moved on from Vontae's perfect, and I don't. I, it's just if Bush is still there, and, <laughs> and why wouldn't they go with him? Um, mm. That's that's kind of where I was, where I was, what I would think with them. Kind of feel like he might not even be there. Yeah. Also makes you feel like the Steelers could sure. really use Devin Bush. You know, if they're looking for a team that's going to trade up. Yeah. Yeah, would would that be a land? You know, the, the, that could be a Steelers. Um, well, also keep in mind somebody might have traded down in order to, for one of these teams to get a quarterback. You know, yeah, like the Giants getting back up at nine or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're the Bengals, so, if you're the Bengals, you have, you have Carlos Dunlap, you have Carl Lawson, you have Geno Atkins. Doesn't make a lot of sense to just get Christian Wilkins and try to make the defense defense elite. I don't know personally. Yeah, personally, no. I I think. No? Yeah, I mean that's I would not. I wouldn't go there, and not least because I don't know that Christian Wilkins rates quite that well. But also, you know, I, I wouldn't feel the position urgency about it. I would just listen. I think that there's a, a list of personally. I just think there's a list of players in this draft that are among the top players in this draft, and I think that they're going to kind of go one by one until they're exhausted, and and teams are going to be getting those best players because I think that teams are. I sense that teams are in relative unison about who those top players are. It's just that there aren't that many of them. And there's and the question is, um, is being clouded by this quarterback thing. You know, people are going to trade up and get the quarterbacks. And some are also saying that they're going to trade up and get the offensive linemen too, because there's a lot of nervousness about, about not having offensive linemen out there. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to, go for a, a Wilkinson or Wilkins, sorry, Christian Wilkins necessarily. That's my opinion. Yeah. One thing I'm pretty certain of if Jawan Taylor makes it to number 12, I think he's the pick for the green Bay Packers because Aaron Rodgers, Brian Balaga. Yeah. I understand Brian Balaga still there. He's deteriorating and it's, it's almost over for Brian Balaga. And I think Jawan Taylor steps in day one and is probably a starter at right tackle. And this is the last hurrah. This is the last stand for Aaron Rodgers. He has a small window, I would say, maybe three years of above-level, above-average mm. quarterback play to near-elite quarterback play. And then from then on, I think it's probably downhill with all his injuries. So why not make those three years count? Jawan Taylor wouldn't, makes perfect sense. Wouldn't surprise me if they traded up for Hawkinson for yeah, that very reason. Makes, he makes more sense than anybody else. I just don't think because that, Because essentially he's an, extra, he's an extra tackle as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you, can plant, you can plant him outside Belaga and then, you know, in the run game, and now you've got an, you've got an extra tackle, and he's yes. you know, and that brings us me. to number thirteen, and your Miami Dolphins. First of all, we're going to take it one by one. Any thoughts on a quarterback here, Simon and Chris? First, Simon. Uh, um, I would be surprised. I mean, I put in the WhatsApp group earlier on that I thought that it was probably going to be down to three positions: offensive mm-hmm. line, defensive line, and secondary. Um, offensive line and defensive line because the the as, as Chris says, they're I can't remember the phrase he used, but it was a very good one. Um, something to do with shit. But um, and the secondary, which is very good, but you know the, this is a team that wants to play with six, seven, eight defensive backs on the field at one time, potentially. You know, and there are pieces in place. There are good players in place. It's the, it's the biggest strength of the of the roster. But you can see them making significant additions there. And I think we've spent the last forty eight hours talking ourselves in of and out of about seven <laughs> or eight different players. You know, yes. I, I mean, today, for example, you know, I think on Saturday, we were pretty certain it would be Jeffrey Simmons. 
Um, yeah. I think this afternoon, Chris then said it was he was pretty sure it could be Greedy Williams, to which <laughs> I said not, then had to think about it, and then said absolutely 100%. Uh, the reason why it could like, be Greedy what's Williams... What's jersey number? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. What, what number is he going to wear? Um, <laughs> you know, you look at the Patriots playing man coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the number one man cover team in the NFL last year. Two seasons ago, they were the number two man cover team. If you're looking for the best man cover corner in in this draft, then that's Greedy Williams. I don't think he's the number one cover. I don't think he's the number one corner in this in this draft. And actually, I think he's probably my third rated corner in this draft. I think Byron Murphy is the best corner, but in terms of man coverage, uh, uh, he could be the guy. And all of a sudden, you're looking at Xavier Howard on one side, Greedy Williams on another, Mink mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick alongside Rashad Jones with Bobby McCain in the secondary uh, in the slot with Eric Rowe and Maurice Smith. Blimey, and TJ McDonald. That's a, that's a group. That's a good yeah. group. It's well, it's nice to be a group that, that Brian Flores could work with. Yeah. Know, right? But then you look they at you know, six, seven guys out there. Absolutely. But then we talked to this afternoon, you know, we were talking about, I think, Bria, Peter King, and somebody else, maybe Peter Schrager, all picked Christian Wilkins today in mock drafts to go to the Dolphins. We all love Wilkins. We all love, we universally love him. Yeah, we absolutely. love the fact that he can, he's consistent. He's got better. He's a great human being. He's a, could be a face of the defensive side of the ball that's great and then it felt like whoa wait a minute we've talked a bit about Dexter Lawrence as well but we've not, not really talked about Cleveland Farrell at all yeah and then right. we did a bit of, we did a bit of digging and we discovered that Marion Hobby essentially recruited the kid that Hobby is like a second father to Cleveland Farrell Hobby we found some interviews from two years ago from a year ago where Hobby's just saying this kid is just sensational the work he does the fact that when he came in as a five-star recruit he didn't pout he was stuck on the scout team he worked his ass off he won repeatedly on scout team player of the week he just knew that he was going to get there at, at, you know most of the time these kids are pouting and they don't want to do it. And he was in the weight room. He was doing everything. This was a kid that he was just going to be a superstar. And sometimes you think, actually, the most obvious things are right under your nose. You just can't sniff them. And maybe it's feral. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and then... We and then we're picking trade- a jersey number for him. Yeah, we're picking a jersey number. And then we're talking about trading down. And we, we're talking about ending up with, you know, let's, why don't we trade down to 25? And all of a sudden, let's say the Houston Texans want Andre Dillard. And we move back down and we're going, yeah, okay. It was Chase Winovich and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and LJ Collier and, you know, all these guys. It's like, I mean, I, th- I personally think the Dolphins will trade down. I don't think they'll stay. I was told the other day they, they really want one of the five defensive linemen. And Chris Greer talked about these big five defensive linemen. But I don't think... Any of them will be there. Uh, it depends what they feel about Sweat and whether he's on their board or not. Simmons mm-hmm. is the X factor because of the off-field issues and the, uh, and the um, the ACL and the fact that he's not going to play in 2019. But then if, if this is a team loading up for 2020, who knows? I mean, who knows? <laughs> it's tough. I, I think the list at 13 has – because because trading down has to be such a big option for them – the, the actual list at 13 probably has to be pretty small, right? I mean, it's going to be like, hey, Ed Oliver is going to follow us or, you know, or this guy is going to follow us um, or we're just going to pass and we're, we're going to kick off and, and go down a little bit and then see who's, who's the best when, when we actually pick. I, th- I kind of think that's out of the way. That's the way it's going to approach. That's why I personally, you know, I, I put up there, I think um, – for them at Oliver as one of them. Um, but, uh, but also I think Jeffrey Simmons and, um, and greedy Williams, just because, you know, if they, if a trade down doesn't materialize, then, then they might have to do, they might have to figure out what they're going to do. But I know that they love Jawan Taylor too. 
um, mm. I know that they love Jawan Taylor, and I think they love Jonah Williams. So, uh, mm. so it's you know Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor. It's uh, they're hoping for a miracle with that Oliver, although probably not getting it. Or then you're then you're down to questioning whether Montez Sweat is still on their board despite the heart condition. Uh, he has, uh, according to Tom Pelissaro, he has an enlarged heart. It is, it can be a serious condition. It could also be not a problem whatsoever. Um, they will have to, according to Pelissaro, any team that drafts him will have to take precautions. They'll have to have an AED um, automatic, automated defibrillator on hand basically at all times. Uh, and there's also, according to Pelissaro, no real history of an NFL player having a long and successful career playing with this, but there is in other sports. So uh, he says that some progressive teams are talking to their doctors about this and saying, you know, this is not going to be a problem. This is fine. We can handle this. And there are some other teams that are like, nah, he's not on our board. I don't know where Dalton, where Miami fits on that. I, I happen to think that they're going to minimize that sort of risk. And so he's probably going to be off the board. And then it comes down to what do they feel about Rashawn Gary? Cause that's another guy that I knew mm. them to be high on heading into the postseason, you know, the pre-draft process. Um, I know that he was in that, you know, top 10, but so was Jeffrey Simmons. Um, so what do they feel about Rashawn Gary really? And what happens when he's staring up the, at the face at number 13 overall? Because I think that's the most likely guy of if he is on the big five, I don't know. Um, but it's the most likely sort of higher ranked guy that's going to be staring them at the face at 13. So just throwing it. It is. It's, you know, Rashawn Gary uh, at 13 overall. Like, what do you really feel about him? I know I, I'm not big on the sack production being such a huge deal. I think the pressures were there for him, and that's good. And, and I think they affects the game in both fa- phases. But there's also uh, sort of when you watch him, there's a little bit of a little bit of an underachiever feel to him. And, um, mm. and you wonder. He has that Greg Ellis feel. Quite frankly, you wonder if he's the second best defensive end on his own team. Uh, yeah. between he and Chase I think Winner. he is. I think yeah. he is. So, I, mean, I think the one thing that people forget a little bit when it comes to how this defense is almost certainly going to work because it's how the New England defense, they don't necessarily, and it sounds ridiculous, but it's true, they don't mm-hmm. necessarily respect and appreciate sacks the way that most other teams do. That's why mm-hmm. you don't, you know, Chandler Jones was essentially the outlier for. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for New England with, the, with his sack production. It, it's why people who didn't really get how the Patriots work couldn't understand the fuss that was being made about Trey Flowers. Oh, he only had seven sacks. And really, it, it, it's not about that. New yeah. England pass rushers don't... It, it's, not, it, it's about lane discipline. It's about setting the edge. It's about forcing plays inside. It's about making... The reason Adrian Claiborne was benched down the stretch because he couldn't get lane discipline. That's essentially what the Patriots try and do because you're trying to keep your lanes to open holes for those blitzers, for the Van Noys, for the for the high towers, for the safeties that come, all, all those sorts of things. It's not getting in the way of the pre-ordained, pre-designated blitzing. That's what it's about. Um, and it's not necessarily about flushing the quarterback out of the pocket on certain plays either, as ridiculous as that sounds. Because, you do, again, you've got people coming from different directions. You, don't, you want those people. You're setting it up. It's like a it's like an open goal in soccer. You're trying to lay the ball back across the goal so that somebody right. can side foot it in. You're trying to stay within your lane to make sure that the, the, the person that's coming from the secondary or the person that's coming from the second level can do what they're tasked to do. 
So in that respect, the fact that Gary struggles with his sack production actually plays into Miami's hands because he can be a very, very versatile piece that can yeah. play inside, and they'll play never outside. have to pay him a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, he can set exactly. He'll set the edge, which he does very well. And he's he ran off four fifty one at two hundred eighty three pounds. Yeah, I've yeah. met the guy. He is massive. He's math. He's got hands like buckets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great kid. He was a lovely kid to talk to. He was really nice, friendly. Uh, uh, but he's huge. He's a, he's got huge arms. He's got a huge body. Um, but to imagine that at six foot five, two hundred and eighty three pounds, he ran a four fifty one. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. And you think that you know somebody like Flo could do something special with that. But when That's push comes to shove, to be intriguing. When push comes to shove, you watch him on film, and of course, you've already said you like Chase Winovich better. But push comes to shove, you you watch Rashawn Gary on tape, and then you watch Jeffrey Simmons on tape. You know what do you think? Yeah. Um, to me, it's one's like, elite, the other isn't. Yeah, one's elite, one's not. You know, yeah. and I think that there is at least one team out there that told Bob McGinn that I think Jeffrey Simmons is the best player in the draft. Yeah. Um, Michael Lombardi, who's got New England connections and also has a son on staff in Miami, uh, believes that Jeffrey Simmons is the number one player in the draft. There is, uh, I, th- I think, Todd Mache just said today that he believes that in in people that he talks to that. If it, if it weren't for the torn ACL, then Jeffrey Simmons is like a top five player easily in that same company with Quinnen Williams and, and, and guys like that. And so you're looking at Miami and listen, I thought the idea of not caring about 2019 was supposed to be so that you can use it to your advantage, right? If you don't care about 2019 while other teams do, then you get to make different decisions than other teams. And you get to – because you're placing more value on other things. Like other teams – other teams, they can't value Jeffrey Simmons highly because they care about 2019. Yeah. And they're, they're looking at these their guys. Jobs. They care about their jobs. They care about their jobs. They're looking at everybody on a four-year contract. You know, and, and so they're looking at Jeffrey Simmons and saying, well, I'm only getting three out of four years with Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. I can't value him that highly. Well, Miami, to start with, because they don't care about 2019, they're looking at everybody on a three-year contract because it's, it's all about 2020 and beyond. So they don't care about 2019. So why can't they value Jeffrey Simmons above what the rest of the league does to where they're the ones that gets Jeffrey Simmons? That's the question Mm. that I ask people. And I get met with, oh, no, Miami's got to make this the absolute safest pick that they can. They've got to take zero risks. And I'm like, well, isn't that just like – the team that can't get itself off the hamster wheel for two decades. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's how I look at this Christian Wilkins versus Jeffrey Simmons thing is like, you know, yeah, one is a little bit, maybe a little bit safer. He's 23 years old already. He's a little older. Uh, he's got less of a ceiling and he's, um, and he's a, you know, not as good a player. And, and the other one, yeah, he's, he's coming off a torn ACL and there's some risk with that. There's not that much risk anymore with that personally. I think you look at it like a lot of other guys, that are coming out with, you know, an injury history. Um, if you don't care about 2019, then this is, to me, that's a slam dunk, going with Jeffrey yeah. Simmons. And, and also, looking at New England, he plays just like Lawrence Guy. So, yeah. um, you know, I think there's, there's an easy analog right there in, in Lawrence Guy. I just see that as a slam dunk, and that should be where you're looking unless you're able to trade back. And then if you're able to trade back, hey, maybe you get a crack at him anyway. Again, you know, okay. if you trade back. Now, I think all three of us want to trade out of this pick and get more assets, probably more assets for 2020. If there is one guy, very briefly, before we give our predictions for the first-round pick, 
Mm-hmm. If there's one guy that you turn down trade down offers for, in my opinion, it's Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver is the only guy that I could yeah. realistically mm-hmm. see getting down to 13 where me too. if, if mm-hmm. the Giants call me and say, hey, here's 17 and 37 for 13, I probably say no. You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just go ahead and take Ed Oliver here and be happy with it. If there's a yeah. guy like that, who is it, Simon, for you? No, it's the same. It's Ed Oliver. Yeah. Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Mm-hmm. You agree 100%. as well, Chris? Yeah, 100%. All right. Now let's talk about ideal scenarios. What is your ideal scenario for that 13th pick? Give me your trade down and your pick. Well, I'll go. I, I, don't have, I don't have a specific trade down partner, but if, if Miami is able to trade down a couple of spots, you know, it's been floated 17, uh, Houston, whatever. I don't think they're going to pick up that 37th pick for going down. For going down. I think it's more like a th- – think about re- what Reggie McKenzie did in Oakland with us when he traded, he traded us uh, Deion Jordan, essentially. You know, we, he went from number three to number 12, and all he asked in return was a mid-first-round pick. I mean, it was – or a second-round pick. You know, it was way below chart value. I think that if Miami is of this mindset and they need to move down, then that that could be – they're going to accept below chart value, and that's what they're going to get. So, if they move down a couple of picks and still get Jeffrey Simmons, I'm a very happy camper. But I'm also a happy camper with a lot of guys. And we've talked about Clellan Farrell. I like Christian Wilkins. I like – greedy williams i think that makes a whole lot of sense you know i i have quite a few guys that that i'd be that i'd be happy with in those um in those picks that we're talking about so you know uh, that's that's kind of what i where i'm thinking right now yeah i mean a trade partner i think uh, i think the houston texans make sense the 23 pick, uh, I think they want a left tackle. I think if Andre Dillard is on the board, I think mm-hmm. they'll do what they can to move up to get him. You've got to protect, you know, you, I don't think it was a quarterback that was hit more often last season than um, mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. You've got to protect him. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean, their tackles are Kendall Lamb and Julian Davenport. I mean, that's not getting it done for a guy that you spent the 15th overall pick on who's had an ACL injury, uh, but is one of the most exciting and mobile quarterbacks in, in, in the league. Jonah Williams makes sense to Houston, by the way, because, you know, Jonah has different... I spoke to Jonah before the season. He talked about the the challenges of playing left and right tackle um, when you're cut, when you're blocking for Jalen Hurts and for Tua, very mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy who understands how to block for a mobile quarterback. So I wouldn't, you know, don't throw that out beyond the realms of possibility. There is a, as a potential. Extremely smart player. Extremely smart player. Lovely guy, smart player. If the Dolphins stay where they are, I think that offensively, I think John Taylor and, and Jonah Williams make an awful lot of sense. You know, their guys will end up playing a thousand snaps. Essentially, they'll play, you know, right tackle um, or, you know, Williams will play guard. I think defensively, defensive line, Oliver would be amazing if he was there, but I suspect he isn't. Um, uh, sweat would be interesting. I, I'm not a fan, but it would be interesting to see how they grade him. Simmons, obviously, we all love Wilkins. Ferrell makes a lot of sense. I don't think they'd be adverse to Devin Bush if he was there. I mean, I don't mm. think they'd take him, but I think he's an interesting name. And then I suppose Greedy Williams and Dee Dee Baker. I feel like you could probably move back five, six spots and get both of them. Baker has played, you know, pretty much 50-50 zone and man coverage. We talked about why Greedy would make sense. If they trade him back to 23, I think all bets are off. You know, you're looking at a Garrett Bradbury, you're looking at an Eric McCoy, are you looking at a Chase Winovich, are you looking at Rocky Sin? Dalton Risner, yeah. Are you feeling more comfortable about potentially taking a, a Greedy Williams there or a Dee Dee Baker there? I mean, I, I think you really are open mm-hmm. to any possibility in the mid to late 20s um, in terms of where they could go. And obviously, then you might pick up, let's say you moved 
to 23 then you pick up what the 55 or whatever it is that houston have mm. you know along with then all of a sudden you know is that where Chauncey Gardner-Johnson comes into play? Is that where uh, Trace Winovich comes into play? Is that where LJ Collier comes into play in the second round? You know, Joe Juan Williams, uh, you know, whatever. These are the kind of guys that you might be looking at. Jelani Tabai, the, the the Hawaii linebacker. I mean, it opens up a world of possibilities. I think they'll trade down. If they stay there, I think those probably the names that we mentioned there would be the six, seven guys that we, we kind of feel like it will be. But it, it's open. It's open. It could be, but I think it will be defensive line, offensive line, or secondary. I can't see it being anything else. Alf, I, I want to ask you then, um, mm-hmm. you know, because with a couple minutes um, that we have here, you've had Greedy Williams, you know, mocked to the Dolphins for a while. And yeah. very recently, you've kind of told us off air too, you know, Greedy Williams, Dee Dee Baker, um, keep an eye. Yeah, and and I I just want to ask you, like, do you want to make your case for that right now? Are you still of that mindset? Um, are you? Well, I'll you know, give you I'll give you my best case scenario, and I'll tell you why I would take them. All right, my best case scenario is this: that Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins somehow finds their way to our thirteenth pick, and mm-hmm. sitting at fifteen is the Washington Redskins. They are de- they are desperate for a quarterback. They don't have one right now. The Giants evidently need one. And the scuttlebutt is that they like Daniel Jones. Why not? Why wouldn't they flip 17 and 37 to us to guarantee that they get their guy ahead of the Washington Redskins division, mate? And then we go right back in at 17 and take Greedy Williams or DeAndre Baker. To me, that's the ideal scenario. Mm. Now, at 13, I would take Greedy Williams. I just would. I would just, I'd just do it. I think he's the second coming of Akeem Tlaib. Uh, mm. Their film is strikingly similar. Uh, Keep Tlaib had the same, the same kind of. Although, yeah, I understand that Keep Tlaib did not go as high, but they have the same kind of faults. Not as physical, kind of lanky, kind of weak. You know, kind of weak up top, really. Like could easily get blocked right out of the screen. Mm-hmm. But he's one dimensional in the one dimension that we kind of need on this defense. If I could tell you that I could get you a lockdown man corner opposite of Xavier Howard to force quarterbacks to start scanning the, the field a little longer, mm-hmm. to start not trying to just pick on one side, which is essentially what's going to start happening when we have Eric Rowe opposite of Xavier Already Howard. was happening. Or it was happening. Then I'm not even mentioning Minka Fitzpatrick and Bobby McCain, two players that I really like. And yep. Rashad Jones, who I still think has some football left, but I realize he probably has one year left on this team. Mm-hmm. I think that you start – to build a unit that can be elite in short order. And when I'm talking about short order, I'm talking about inside of two years. And if you have an elite secondary, I think you have half a playoff team. Because if the other half of the playoff team is a a quarterback that's competent, I think you win nine, 10 games in this league easily. Deserves to be said, Greedy hasn't taken any team visits, uh, supposedly. It's It's fascinating because to me, it means that nobody has questions on the do deal about him. Like they don't have any hard questions for him to answer or things that they need to points that they need to resolve and it also makes me wonder if there's a lot of possum being played on him uh like maybe he maybe he's rated a little bit higher than and and people are keeping him quiet it it's yeah. it's certainly possible his character his persona a, a lot to me a lot better than Aqib Tlaib mm-hmm. okay. all right that's it there is no more have a wonderful draft Thursday you might be seeing more of us the, later on this week as we talk about day two and day three and how they're going to build this squad that doesn't have a space any. hopper all over you motherfuckers. Yes. <laughs> all right. That's it. There is no more. Talk to you guys later this week. Maybe. So disgusting. <laughs> right, you perfect. love it.
Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.